Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. This is Mo and Ayomi Day. Before I jinx it, Ayomi Day, your network really sounds very good today, but let's look on wood because you know it's a matter of time before your village people come for you. And I just ruined that moment. Yeah, I've spoken that into existence. But, anyways, (laughs) (laughs) in the studio today, we have um, someone who I cannot wait to share her story, as you guys will soon come to find, find out. So, Here's a quick intro about her. She was born and raised in the beautiful country of Zambia, aka the smell of Africa. She currently lives and works in Austin, Texas with her husband, Chiloba Molenga. And I actually met her in Austin about five, seven years ago. And in Austin, they both enjoy serving their community through various initiatives. In all of her accomplishments, she's most proud of the opportunities, opportunities to serve and uplift the human circle. She's a public speaker on various platforms and events, including keynote speaker at charity fundraisers, church ministry, community youth programs. And for several years, she has served on the alumna bootcamp panel for first year MBA students. Hmm. She recently became an author, guys, publishing her first book called Audacious Destiny, an inspirational spiritual memoir of a journey of resilience and faith. And special thanks to Naika Mongole, Mongoli for um, urging me to, you know, bring this individual on the podcast. So without further ado, please join us in welcoming Grace Molenga to the podcast. Hi, Grace. Hello, Tolani. Should I say Dr. Tolani? <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> that came from nowhere. Like, whoa, no. I know, right? Hey, give, give all the money. Hi, right. Grace. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Thank you so much for having me. It is a great honor to be on the podcast. So good, so good to and meet you. So good to meet you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like the third Zambian I'm bringing on the podcast. There's um, Mulongo Muchalemba, um, Chulu, but there's just this commonality with you guys. You're so always so pleasant, you know, and you smile a lot. So. <laughs> I guess that's what they call you guys, Smile of Africa. <laughs> I was, I've been trying to make that joke for a while. Now, so. Sorry, I mean, you've all said something. <laughs> yeah. I'm I guess, sorry, you, know, you just wipes it out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens in old age. Sorry, I'll, I'll consider your age next time I'm talking. I always give you No, it's just my brain. That, that attempt at your joke just reset my brain, is, is all. Like, uh, whatever, I'm... whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh best reason why this is you know we can't we can't choose our friends and this is the person I choose as my friend. You can always tell a lot about the person, my kind of friend you choose, right? Did so you did you really get to choose <laughs> though? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. You know <laughs> So Grace, uh we usually start the podcast by trying to get to know just you know how you grew up and from Zambia to Austin. Please pray tell us how did that happen and what was like life like, especially for those who have no idea or still think Africa is like one country, you know. <laughs> let's try and bust that bubble a little bit. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. So let's let's go down a, a little bit geography land. So Zambia is in South Central Africa and it's an independent country, nation. 
um, can look it out. But it's the smile of Africa. We like to smile a lot. Um, so Zambia is pretty tropical, actually. And Tolani, you're from Nigeria. So some people have asked me, are you? Because I guess, you know, Nigeria is just, I mean, Nigeria is big. Everybody knows about Nigeria. So when they hear Africa, they think you're from Nigeria. So the first question people ask me, no, they'll ask me this so many times. Uh, are you close to Nigeria? I said, no, actually, Nigeria is on the West Coast and we're oh my goodness. So it's totally two different places. You have to take a plane. You can't even swim to go to Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try it one good thing. We don't swim across, you know. Let me tell you why this is extra funny to me something i often say to people uh, especially my white friends is that it feels to me like nigeria is like the u.s of africa because the way the world sees the u.s you know loud brash um, yeah. ambitious aggressive dramatic Number is how one. i feel like other africans in nigeria and Ooh. now you've added one more thing to that list which is everybody else in north america is like yeah, America is not the US. America is the whole of North America. So Canada and Central America and everything. I like that's literally what you're saying about Nigeria. Like Nigeria's Nigeria has become Africa the same way the US has become yeah, America. Right. <laughs> and it kinda of reminds me of how my Korean friends say I feel sad. Them, they're Chinese. They're Chinese, you know. Are you from China? It's like, no, I'm Korean, you know. Right. <laughs> Sorry, we're, I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. On behalf of you know, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I guess it does go both ways, right? Yeah. So hey, I think I, I like how uh, I mean they put it. Nigeria is the, is the America or the US of Africa because everybody knows what Nigeria is. But um, so I I I was born and raised in Zambia. I have a lot of siblings. I have I was born in a family of eight girls. I'm the number eight. So my story is that, and I'll stick to it. I say, you know, when my parents had me, they had grace. They said, we've obtained grace. We don't need any more. We don't need a son. (laughs) (laughs) Eight girls. I think my um, father was like, let me, let me try and have a boy. Let me try and have a boy. And then here we are. Hey girls, love my siblings. Um, So pretty much we had a, uh, we didn't have much growing up, and uh, I will share a little bit of how I grew up without giving away the book too much, um, because a lot of that is in the book. I, I give a pretty good description or synopsis of what life was like growing up in Zambia, um, but which my, my story really is that, you know, we, we had to be on our own at a very young age. And that's what inspired me to write a book. We had to start dreaming beyond what our environment looked like. Um, so right after high school, I think I was in my gap year, I was doing some college training. I came, I had an opportunity to come to the United States and that was like back in 2006. So it's been... But a little almost 15 years since I've been here. Yeah, so most of my childhood, teenage years, high school were in Zambia, and then I came here for college. I know Tolani probably has some questions to ask you about um, you know, your move to the US, which I think she's probably a better person to ask because 
um you know she's the only other person in this room right now who who has made such a move um but i wanted to ask you a bit more about what you said earlier um which is something we ask everybody on this podcast who is you know also african but not nigerian is what's what's your honest view of nigerians like this is your chance to say publicly how you feel about and you will not you will not be cancelled we promise okay we'll back you up <laughs> and whatever you say we don't know already. whatever you okay. say you know is whatever you, you just feel free to answer as honestly as you wish good or bad right um, when yeah. i think about nigeria nigerians as persons individuals uh bold loud um <laughs> those two words <laughs> come to mind I'm sorry don't cancel me no 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 lies no lies we know ourselves we might have several afflictions but lack of self-awareness is not one of them oh my gosh bored loud and just um very well I'll, I'll borrow one of my books like audacious like Nigerians uh, whenever you meet a Nigerian I don't think I've ever met a timid Nigerian <laughs> Seriously, I don't think I've ever met a team in Nigerian. Even even the quiet ones just have this boldness about them. So, in the loud part, oh, of wow. course, like hey, like, hey, my sister, how you there be? Hey, hey, what? <laughs> hey, what you see? Like? <laughs> how I'm you there? Do, do, do you listen to Nigerian music or watch Nigerian films yeah. as well? Yeah. Do you do it? Like, what's your Nigerian level of interaction with Nigerian Africa? culture? Yes, yes, I'm curious to know that too. Yeah, do you listen to our songs and watch our movies? Yes, and... we listen to Nigerian oh. music. We, we I mean, in my teenage years, those those were we we watched a lot of Nigerian movies. That was the first introduction to uh, cable TV. Even though we didn't have it, our neighbors had it. But Africa Magic was one of the first things we were exposed to. And yeah. it was Africa Magic was just wow. Nigerian movies. It's now yeah. That you you have, know, like, actually, Africa. I never thought about it until you said you know that Africa Magic was I not. Know. Yeah, it was. Again, it's yeah. like the US, <laughs> right? It's like when the US is World Series and it's literally just the US playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At the point, they even had oh Yoruba. They had people. Not... They had Hausa. Even within African DSTV. But sorry, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because we're like the most populous um, black nation. Like our numbers. Maybe it's strengthening numbers, but yeah, you're right. Like it's nothing you haven't said yeah, before. We know we're like, very loud. You, we, I think we need that <laughs> reminder that you know, like Africa is not Nigeria. Nigeria, <laughs> like, no. We all agree that Africa is not a con- is not a country, but yeah, <laughs> Loki. But you know what? You think Africa is Nigeria? Exactly. It's not different from all those other non-Africans thinking that Africa is one continent. Because I think because of Nigerians. Like, even Nigerians in Nigeria probably think there's nothing else in the rest of the uh, Africa. Mm-hmm. We make up the lion's share of it, you know. Yeah, and when they say, <laughs> I mean, fair, can you make bro, me I think some African started... food? They mean Nigerian food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't even say something. No, I was going to say that. I think Nigerians have actually started more recently traveling out to other African countries, though. African countries, yeah. Because yes. when we were and growing up, it was always to like, yeah. you know, US, UK, UK Canada. Canada, yes. Dubai yes. later. And, but I, like now, we've started traveling to yeah. other African countries as well. And I, and, I, and I credit the internet for that, like exposing. Like today, heck, I saw the first um, underground, um, like sea ground, underground, below sea level hotel in Zanzibar. It's the first in Africa. 
like you you can see the coral reef in Zanzibar and I'm like whoa you know I saw that on Instagram and I'm putting that on my bucket list of places to go to so anyways um I guess it kind of is us into that other question of you so you moved to the U.S. in your teens yeah when and I was right right after high school so I was probably like 20 wow yeah sorry still, by yourself by myself my sister was here so she helped me sort uh, uh source out wow. some opportunities but yes i got on that plane and if if there was um, space i would i would just pause now and prostrate for you but i was old enough but there is but still the... but still it's a different continent a different you know system it's it's true you were a kid. But... yeah how did you survive how did I survive uh, the trip? Yeah. I yeah, think, no, no, not the trip. No, not the trip. But <laughs> think of the, it like, no, not the trip. I'm not going to ask you how you came here. Like, did you, you know, fly across <laughs> the ocean or something? No, no. No, think of it like, if you could go back in time and talk to that little Grace that was boarding, you know, the plane to the U.S. for the first time, and she's listening right now, what are some tips, you know, of things to do and not to do to make sure you can thrive in this new environment you're just finding yourself in? Oh, Be, be open-minded. Be open-minded to the culture that you're getting into. Um, for me, it was a lot of excitement. Um, like I shared before that, you know, we there was a lot of motivation behind that. My sisters and I had to be on our own. Um, and I can give you a little bit of that information. We, we, we had a, a sad upbringing um, because we didn't have our parents around and whenever people read audacious destiny they they will get to learn a little bit more about that so when you know you don't have your parents around um and education is kind of your only way out so for us it was wherever that education took us we were going so there wasn't a lot of fear attached to that it was just of course it was an excitement you're going to america but i came into this place with the mindset of I've been given a rare opportunity and I'm going to make the best out of it. So I had a positive outlook. It didn't matter how cold it got. It didn't matter that I had a thick accent and uh, people were not understanding what I was saying. All of those things were hiding the veil behind the veil of determination. So I would just advise anybody embarking on this journey, uh, regardless of what your background is, right? You may have grown up privileged or you have opportunities, but just receive it with an open mind because it is an opportunity, you know, to be able to just, not just America, but to go into another culture and to do something different with your life. Bravo. Like, Farida said exactly the same thing. Oh, Farida, for for context, was um, one of the guests we had on the show from Burkina Faso, and she moved here when in her teens, and she said exactly the same thing. Said not in the same words, but that open-mindedness that was one of the biggest factors she talked about. So thanks for reminding us of that, um, Grace. Yeah, well, I'm curious. Um, the when you speak of the open-mindedness, was that something that? I mean, I know you were young, and technically at that age, you don't really have a personality from a psychological point of view. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you did it. I'm just saying like. You know, psychologically, you know, <laughs> no, psychologically, there's this thing people say that actually that uh-huh. 
You can't have a personality disorder before 18, technically. You can't be diagnosed with a personality disorder before mm-hmm. 18. Have because, <laughs> because technically, you don't have a personality that could be disordered in the first place. Like, your personality is still being shaped. I guess. Um, but, I, but I was going to say, in what ways, because you talked about the open-mindedness, and that, that for mm-hmm. me is another question of, in what ways do you think because the question I okay let me let me start because I'm jumping two steps. The question I popped into my mind was how much of that open mindedness was there, right, uh, before you moved. But then the I think more interesting question to me is beyond even that. In what ways do you think the move has shaped your personality different from how it may have been if you had stayed in Zambia? And I know this is a hypothetical question in a sense because obviously you don't know what would have happened. Mm-hmm. But to the extent that you're able to imagine, what do you think would have been different? Hmm. Okay, let's start with the the first question. In like, to what extent did I have the open that open mindedness? You know, there's a way that we were raised and we were we we grew up, right? So there are those societal norms that we are accustomed to how people do things or what respect looks like in this culture. Um, so I was. Uh, first of all, like I mentioned, I, w- I was excited because if you've grown up poor and you, you've been given this opportunity, you're like, I'm, I'm going to take it, right? So there, there was an attitude of humility there as well in terms of I'm going to take whatever, not just like accept anything that comes your way, but just say, okay, they might do things differently here, but I'm, I'm willing to learn. You know, I'm willing to, like one of the things that my sister uh, taught me and I was I do mention this in my book about keeping eye contact right she was prepping me she was like when you go for that visa interview and when you do this these are they'll ask you this you need to be confident and you know in our culture looking at somebody directly in their eyes that's yeah. considered rude yeah. right yeah. so I had to make that adjustment and I had to just uh, train my mind to think okay this is a different culture. And in order for me to, if I'm going to succeed and survive, I need to accept and learn, be willing to learn, you know, how, how is respect like that? Eye contact. I, I had to just adapt to it. It was uncomfortable at first. And I'm like, why do I need to look at people, elders directly in their eyes when I'm talking, but it was expected of me. And I was willing to do, uh, to to go that route in terms of survival, and then um, I you asked how has my personality been shaped, and you're right. I do agree with you to a certain extent because at that time, you know, you're still you're still learning who you are, where do you fit in in this life, you know, what kind of a person are you going to be. Um, it shaped a lot of uh, it shaped a lot of who I have become, you know, in <clears throat> in terms of my interactions, my viewpoints, and I developed this go getter attitude. Right, America is a land of opportunity, but then like you have to put yourself out there. And coming from another culture, you know, you have to learn how to interact with people. Uh, you have to learn how to source out information yourself. You know, if you're looking for a job, you go on the internet, look for it, learn to talk to people, learn to network. Um, so I became more, um, my sister used to say I was I was very soft-spoken initially when I first, like, you need to project your voice. You're not, you're not speaking loud enough. And I said, but being loud is rude. You can't, you know, so I, I 
learn to speak up and be more assertive um, and just appreciate it. It shaped also my work ethic in so many different areas because you're just so, when you come here, I came here as an international student. So you don't have a lot of time for, to play around, right? So, you know, you have to use your time wisely um, between classes and work and what you can and cannot do. Um, so it's, I mean, it, it's it's broad in terms of how it shaped my personality. But if I was back in Zambia, yeah, it's it's would have, could have. But I have an idea. I don't think I would have been as assertive or as resilient as I have become in my life. Maybe because there was a fallback cushion, right? You're in your home country, but you're here. You're thinking. As an international student, if I fail my classes, they're going to deport me. So you take on a different mindset. You're like, hey, it's either you sink or you swim. Wow. I mean, I feel like you need like a whole series around just the nuggets you're dropping. My fear is that this shot we need to have with you to like spend on the podcast is not going to be enough. It's certainly have to bring you back, maybe during a workshop for those that are transitioning. So um, I had two questions. I don't know how I'm even going to manage it because I'm I'm always very curious to see how people grew up. Seven sisters. Yes. Now mm-hmm. I don't have sisters, but I went to an all girls um, boarding school for high school. I have two brothers, but I know having seven sisters all at once in my space. How was it growing up? That's my first question. I had a follow up that it's kind of like a little bit of a non sequitur, but. Please tell us, how was life like with seven sisters? <laughs> and you being the last. Okay, you are at the bottom of the temple. I'm, African I'm, family. I'm the last. So yes. I, didn't, I didn't have to do as many chores. You know, they, they, they fought amongst themselves about that. You know, I was the one that told on everybody. Like, hey, mommy, you know, this person did this. Um, Little snitch. But there was a point where we all lived in uh, one place together. And well, most of us really that we all lived in, we were still the majority. And you, I learned then to be tolerant. Um, you share clothes, you share makeup, you share everything. And so, when you wake up in the morning and you're looking for a favorite pair of shoes, if you don't find it in the next five minutes, somebody has worn it, get over it. So you just learn to get over it. You learn to negotiate. I think uh, some of the the best negotiating skills that I have, I learned from my sisters because you, you negotiate, you're like, okay, if you let me wear this brand new top that you just got, I know you love it. I'll do chores for you for the next two days or something like that. Um, you, your, your sisters are your fashion police. I, I think that if I if I dress well at all, it's because you know my sisters were there. Sometimes you want to walk out of the house and they're like, "What do you think you're wearing?" That. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can definitely see the merits. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> a lot of opinions. You have to have tough skin. You you get. Oh yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of opinions around anything that you do, so mm-hmm. you have to speak up. So you found yourself in Texas. Was that a first port of entry, like into the US? No. So when I came to the U.S., my sister that helped me come here um, had helped me find school in D.C. 
So I did my undergrad in Washington, D.C. Oh, my gosh, it was cold. I was (laughs) like, what on earth, Jesus? I know we talked about being open-minded. I was like, okay. I honestly thought thought you were going to say, oh, my God, it was cool. (laughs) It was cold. Oh, I mean, imagine that was my first exposure to snow in like freezing temperatures. So, oh my goodness, it was cold. But like college life, I had a lot to learn there. It was, I had a great and interesting college life in DC. What brought me to Texas was a job opportunity. Mm. And it started off as a contract, but eight years later, I am still in Texas. And I love So Austin, right? Austin, Texas? Yes, I'm in yes. Austin, Texas. And are you only back to tell us what line of work, like what's your um, career? Um, yeah, so I've been working in the credit union industry for, mm-hmm. I mean, since I left college. I started okay. out as an intern with the uh, credit union administration back in D.C., and then I got on a contract job to come here. And then I got hired by a credit union, so I went from the regulating agency to... The actual credit union. So you have them, you have them stay away the bad guys coming for that. You need to do this and that. You know, right? you, like, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. Well, I don't know if if my boss heard this, he would not have a problem with it. But um, he wasn't even there when I was being. He he wasn't around when I was being hired. But I think that's the the impression that the hiring managers had they were like oh she's gonna give us all the inside scoops i didn't have a lot of inside scoops i had to (laughs) (laughs) okay so texas um definitely a different climate in every sense of that word uh compared to dc but um it seems like dc was more like a threshing floor for you to like build all of your skills and then texas was where you feel like you're kind of let me use that word, borrow that word, <laughs> manifesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are some of the opportunities and struggles as a black immigrant female, you know, <laughs> in, in Austin, Texas? Oh, my goodness. Um, let's just start with D.C. even before we, we, we get to Texas. Black immigrant um as an immigrant, just as an international student, it was difficult to get job opportunities. Um, and I was just learning as I was looking for these job opportunities that I had quite a few barriers. I thought that my only barrier was the fact that I was an international student. And I was like, oh, no, I'm also a minority. And then I'm a woman. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So <laughs> we have all of these things um, barriers to to get through but dc um it wasn't easy but you know you you find ways you find ways to to get through you just have to be determined um you can get a thousand no's but all you need is that one yes right and you have to learn your space as well so you know how they say ignorance is bliss well i don't believe ignorance is bliss like because when you're aware of your environment. I went, to, I went to a historically black institution and I think that environment helped me to realize some of the barriers that minority face because I thought that I only had to deal with the fact that I was an international student, but um, being at a historically black institution exposed me to a whole new world of 
things that um, I had to deal with in terms of finding opportunities. And they prepared me for that, you know, because you can choose in life to be a victim and say, oh, woe is me. I'm a minority. I'm a, a woman of color trying to thrive in the financial services industry and I'm an international student. Or you could say, well, I know what um, uh, hindrances I have and I'm going to work around them. So you know how to present yourself and you don't let that work against you. Let that work for you. Uh, so that's that's been my experience in just like transitioning from there, even right now here in Austin, Texas. Cool. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, I think I think that's a really important point that you mentioned. And I think that's something that's come up with with a number of people we've interviewed. Um, and, and I think for many of us coming from Africa, um, um, I kind of always don't like using the word Africa. But in this case, it is Africa, right? I don't like using the word Africa, you know, when it's like... <laughs> Because you're not coming from Africa, you're coming from Zambia. But I'm thinking mm-hmm. like all of us coming from in Africa general. in general. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we tend to come in, you know, and especially going to the US in particular, tend to mm-hmm. run up against that whole thing about the ways black people in the US have been portrayed in American media, which we've yes. absorbed without being aware of it, including mm-hmm. some of the negative stereotypes about them. Um, yes. And then coming to realize, oh, actually, a lot of those stereotypes, a lot of those portrayals were not by black people actually and they were by other people about black people where black people didn't get to necessarily have a say um, as much mm-hmm. as they would like um, and some of it has been negative and then when you realize oh actually it's the same way they portray us <laughs> right um, in the yes. way of course of course like suddenly just sort of clicks and you're like oh I see mm-hmm. what's going on here it's just, just that whole thing of portraying the other as, as less isn't it yeah. and then um, and I think it takes different people a different different amount of time to sort of come to terms with it. And I think some people are a bit more, so putting a bit more time than others. Um, so it's it's thanks for sharing like how that was like for you. I did want to ask though. Um, so speaking as you know in Nigeria right now, I, I don't know if this is something that's happening in Zambia. So I like your thoughts in Nigeria right now. There's something called the Jackpot Syndrome. Jackpa is a Yoruba word, um, which is the part of Nigeria Tolani and I are from, for running away. Um, but in Nigeria, as with many things, you know, words from one group of people sort of spread across the country. And so it's basically used to describe the sort of almost like flights that's been happening more and more recently. It's always been happening, but it's increased recently uh, with worsening economy, um, a lot of difficulties and all sorts of challenges, political stuff and all that. Um, so I'm wondering if that's something that's happening in Zambia that you, f- if you feel like you're seeing more and more people leave. Um, for instance, for myself, um, where I train, I train in psychiatry in Nigeria, and almost all people I trained with are here in the UK. Which, when you think about it, makes me a little sad because it's like that's a lot of talents. That we're just exporting out. So, and like we were trained in Nigeria, so it's like the, the Nigeria trained us for the UK to enjoy, basically. So I'm wondering if you're seeing, and, and, and more and more, you're seeing more classmates and secondary school classmates and all those sorts of things. So I'm wondering if you're seeing that, but I'm also wondering if you're considering ever returning, um, one, or um, if things were perfect 
Oh, well, I mean, there's no perfection, but basically what would need to change for you to seriously consider returning if you would return or would nothing, you know, cause you to? So that's two questions for the price of one. But, you know, you can respond to them as you feel, as you feel like. All right. That's uh you've you've brought up some really important subjects. Um whereas I think what I'm hearing a lot of uh, e- economic stability um of different nations, what are the different motivations of people to migrate, right? And you mentioned talent. We have I believe um not just Nigeria or uh, Zambia, but most of Africa has a lot of talent. A lot of African um, people, like Africa, is one of the most educated continents in the in the in, in all of the universe. You know, we have a lot of educated people. So then the question is, why would all these talents leave? And it's sad, right? Why would all these talents leave where they are and come? Um, two aspects to that. When I was leaving. But like 15 years ago, uh, things were certainly more different than they are right now. Um, of course, I was in my 20s. I, I didn't really I, I didn't really care about what the rest of the society was doing, to be honest with you. I was like, hey, I have an opportunity. I'm going. But over the years, I've also been curious, right? Pose that question. Uh, what, what, what are the different motivations? And the number one motivation is opportunity, right? As much as we have... Um, there, we, we haven't had any civil wars in Zambia. So in terms of like the, the stability with uh, peace and all that, that's all great. Uh, but in terms of opportunity and as much as you get educated people and you have an influx of a, a it, it's right now, I would even say like there's a saturation of education people are so educated but then there isn't a lot of opportunity and that's why a lot of um citizens would migrate and come to the united states but there's a caveat to that i have noticed some changes over the years and i may speak i think that it's not just with zambia but it's spreading across africa as well and it's a change of mindset in how we um use our resources in maybe my older sister's generation, the only way was to let's get out, let's go in that. That's what we were presented, right? Let's go and get an opportunity somewhere else. But I've seen like in the last couple of years how every time I visit Zambia, I'm so impressed that about, you know, the opportunities people are creating for themselves. There is um, there is uh, this entrepreneur mindset that has come upon a lot of Africans, and that's great. And I think we're moving in a really good direction because I think the millennials and the new generation are realizing, well, you know what? I don't really have to go to the U.S. to make it. I can actually make it. I can uh, create jobs and I can create opportunities. So it's changed quite a lot. You have people our age, you know, opening their own firms in their own companies. It never used to be like that a long time ago. It's like you have to go to London or Canada to make it. So the, the mindset has changed and I think there is hope. There is still, We have a long way to go in terms of creating opportunities for the larger society. Like we, we don't want to 
all the doctors to leave, right? So if we don't want the doctors to leave, we have to create hospitals. But there is hope because there's a different, there's a shift in mindset where people are like, you know what, we we can do this. We got this as Africans. And I'm seeing that change. Like fashion designing. Yeah. Before they used to say, oh, you're going to school, you're going to be a tailor, huh? But but now you find like these young fashion designers, they have fashion shows in Zambia. And you, I see that with Nigerians as well. They're, Zambians are making their own movies and just progressive altogether. So there is hope. Would I go back? Yes, it's home. I would. I would go back. Do I have concerns about going back? Of course, I've lived here for so many years and so assimilating in a like just going back into society but in terms of opportunities yeah i think i could make it if i went back it's not like it used to be and i hope i've answered your question amazingly thank you very much (laughs) Oh, Grace. Thank you. That, oh, that's Grace. really helpful. Thank you. Sorry. Yes, 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 yes. And I just love how you broke it down. Like that push and pull factors that we see when we talk about brain drain. And I think the commonality, pick a country in Africa. I mean, she's clearly know. thought about <laughs> this. Yeah, yeah. Plus, pick a country in Africa. You can always tell the kind, like that the outcome will depend on the kind of governments we have. And I'll just say historically, we've not had really very strong leaders, you know, to kind of ensure that talents are being retained. And Nigeria being the giant of Africa, I want to just say this, and I say this, you know, with humility, of course, given that I'm Nigerian and humility is not one of our strongest strengths, is that the rest of Africa kind of looks up to us in certain areas. And I'm so, it's so saddening that we're not doing it well. You know, we've lost, we keep just losing talents and, and I guess you're right, like, you know, opportunities, is the one thing you can always guarantee Africans to do is they will take the opportunity if given the, you know, the chance to. Yeah. So you you recently got married, you know, congratulations. Thank um, you. I, I spied on your Instagram a little bit, did a little bit of stalking, which I, you know, usually do for <laughs> Congratulations. And Congrats. Thank yes, you. I was just, it's really recent, right? Yes. Like two yeah. months ago. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is like a glowing bright. And by the way, guys, we're not able to see her, but she's so beautiful. I've been wanting to say that since. Smile, and then the beauty, the beauty is also shining through. So, hmm. um, I guess my question for you will be the book. You know, let's go back to your book. Other just you know, destiny, right? It's about um, your your journey of faith and story that is inspirational from your own um, standpoint. Can you, without giving too much away, I mean, for those that might be interested to know, it's written in English, it's available on Amazon, so you don't have any excuse. There's a Kindle part of it too, and there's a paperback, and it's about 170 pages long. You can knock that out in an hour or two. Without, you know, selling, take, giving away the keys to the kingdom, Grace, um, what's the catch for those that might be considering buying the book? Why should they buy that book, and what's in it for them, or for us? Oh, what's in it? I feel like Audacious Destiny is one of those stories that uh, no matter who you are, at what stage, you'll find yourself in this story. Because um, like I said in, in the subtitle, it's a journey, right? And in this in this journey, like I've I've learned it I I I uncover a lot of principles, life principles, um, things about humility and not giving up. 
And I think the main message is it doesn't really matter what you're able to see with your physical eyes right now, because a lot of what I experienced in my life is not things that I saw. You know, sometimes we're discouraged by where we are and like, I've never seen anybody in my family drive a nice car or I've never seen anybody wear nice shoes or I've never seen or known anybody who's had a PhD. It doesn't matter. And um, a lot of also what I uncover is just like coincidences and not coincidences um, that we should just have the the faith to go through life and for me i take it from a religious point of view faith in god obviously but just to you need to trust the process and you're not going to have the answers immediately to everything because we look at successful people and we're like oh man i wonder how the guy i wonder how dr talani gadesh must have done this you have a story to tell right and sometimes when people look at that, it can be a, a place of intimidation, like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can accomplish that. But what I learned through my journey and what people can expect from audacious destiny is seeing how uh, the little seemingly um, small or irrelevant, what you may think are irrelevant pieces of your life, they are leading up to something bigger. Um, being at the right place in the right time, applying yourself and just having the audacity to dream beyond what you can see. Whoever you might be, it doesn't matter who you are. You will find yourself in the story. (laughs) I think for me, it's just to find out what life was like growing up, you know, Mm -hmm. with seven sisters and all of the nuggets. I think that would be my my curiosity because I'm always very interested in siblings' relationships and I love that. It's probably coming from the perspective of a last born like you. An African household. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. Now the lot of instruction, you know, like <laughs> And you're doing a question, you know, even though last bones are known for running their mouths, you know, the firstborn will probably put them in place. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, the firstborn uh, is usually the, the the serious one, you know, running the household. Yeah, it was interesting. It was it was loud, uh, definitely. I feel sorry for my parents. Um, but a lot of, I think, teamwork too. You know, we don't realize how much of our childhood shapes who we are, um, how we interact with people. So I've seen that translate into so many areas of my life, just being tolerant of people and, and learning to... Um, function in any kind of environment but i can see that i learned that from my household because it just wasn't about you we we were hand-me-downs you know so you get to say thank you instead of what is this piece of junk (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thank you um i was gonna so i know you you've talked about the book um but I understand that you've also been involved in a few other things. Um, one of the things we like to do with, obviously, like um, for people who come here, because you know you come and you spend so much of your time with us, but um, we'd also like to for you to have a chance to share what you're doing as well, um, as well as also let people know how they can get involved. Um, so if you would um, talk a bit about some of your initiatives. 
Mm-hmm. Great, awesome. Um, you know, I, I I love to give back a lot of the motivation for me to um, get involved in anything that I'm getting involved in. It's just that I have this passion to pass on the lessons and the the principles that I've learned. And throughout my journey, even just surviving here in the United States, I, I came to learn that the opportunities that I encountered that took me to the next level would not have been possible if somebody had not been in that path, in that path of the opportunity. Somebody passed on that information. Somebody what, took time to teach me uh, some interviewing skills. Somebody took the time to teach me about finances, about life. And that's always my mindset. Um, what I'm speaking is to empower people whatever it is that they need people have different needs right so like at my church i'm involved with the the youth i'm a youth leader there um small group of teenagers i teach bible class and we do some activities here and there um i try to meet them where they are they say experience is the best teacher right and so with everything that i've gone through i try to impart those uh principles i want to be there for people in any way that i can if they need knowledge they need guidance i know like uh, a few years ago some of the teenagers from my church were applying to college right and like i was like let's go through the interview process and one of them asked me like grace how do you how do you know so much about like building confidence and i was like yeah because i was timid at one point and i don't want you to have to struggle through that so a lot of what I share is just from my experience. Like, what did I learn that I can impart on this young person that they don't have to, if one of them, I know one of them says, well, you know, we, we don't, we, we live with so many people in my house. I rarely have time to do homework. I, I was telling my book to a lot of the people before I even decided to read it. I was like, let me share a little story with you, you know? I, I didn't really have a study space either, you know? So it's, I, I don't think I woke up one day and said, let me start doing these initiatives. It's just happened organically in me wanting to share and impart what it is that I've learned uh, throughout my journey. So I do youth programs at church and wherever it is that I'm needed. I'm involved with a charity organization here in Central Texas. It's called Catholic Charities. And um, they hosted my first book signing last Thursday. They had an annual meeting there with a lot of their supporters. Um, so that's that's another mission that, you know, Catholic Charities is one of those places that you don't have to be Catholic. I knew nothing about being Catholic when I went there, but they helped me. They helped me when I was in college. That's how I got to know about them. And so I decided to go back and give and give back and get involved in whichever way. Um, another thing that I, I do, you know, wherever I'm needed, my alum, uh, my alma mater, the MBA program, Texas State University, uh, go on a boot camp. Again, it's just sharing my experiences, you know. Hey, how did I survive through grad school? And if somebody says, well, I have three kids and I can't do this, this MBA and this and that, I was like, well, you know, I, I didn't have kids in grad school, but I know I knew something about surviving, okay? When you, <laughs> you can't work, but you need to pay tuition, <laughs> find a way to do it morally, Um so, uh, oh, one other thing that I'm just, am I talking too much? <laughs> you can stop me. <laughs> I always oh, ask you. We, we have, we have no it. desire to 
Like, <laughs> just keep going. Like, you're you're just making so much sense. Oh, okay, all right. Um, like I said, a lot nah, of seriously, things... you make us look good. Like, you make us look good <laughs> as podcasters. So go for it. <laughs> so the the initiatives, like I mentioned, they're not coined as such. They come just from a desire to help people impart them with knowledge. And one of those things that I started doing in 2020, I was trying to entertain the kids at my church with uh, financial literacy, right? I was like, oh, let me find something fun for them to do. So I created these cartoon characters and we started, let's talk about money behaviors because those are the things that helped me uh, survive, right? I had to be disciplined financially. That's a topic for a whole another day, but I had to I had to live within my means. And in order for you to survive as an immigrant, as an international student, you can't go. I didn't know what Mac powder was until I graduated college. Like I knew of it, but I was like, that's too expensive. I can't put that on my face. I need to buy some books. Um, so I started doing just, this just financial to say that for a second. The way you said that sounded like you wanted to put the books on your face. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't going to put that money on my face. I was going to put it in my books. <laughs> but that, that's a funny point. Um, so I, I started doing financial literacy just to kind of share some principles that I've learned about money management behaviors. And it started out something fun to do in the pandemic. You know, kids were bored out of their head with Zoom classes. I was like, let's let's do something different. And more and more churches started requesting that financial literacy. I'm actually teaching a financial literacy uh, session tomorrow for a church out, I think, in Dallas. I may be wrong, but one of those places. And I've just continued doing that. I make myself available, whatever the society needs. Can I uplift them? I'm there. I'm very intrigued to hear that you are into yeah. youth work because um, that's yeah, something I've always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, sorry. I can was you hear? Can you hear something? Supporting. <laughs> 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 I mean, he's into youth work, and he was just beaming with. I don't know if you could see his eyes light up when you were talking about your youth work. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, just because, like, I've, I've always loved youth work. Um, and and I've always found it very rewarding and fulfilling, although it's also very much a sort of long-term investment, which I'm sure you'll appreciate. Um, and there's something else I've always found about youth work is there's never enough people. I don't know how it is in your church, but I feel like in the different places I've been to, there's never enough people. Um, it's always, it's not like, I don't know, something like the choir, for instance, or band that always has like so many people or like the greeting, the meet and greets. Or it, it just feels like youth work just never has enough people and you need a lot of people. Um, so I, but I was just wondering, you know, for, for someone who um, cl- clearly you're passionate about youth work, um, what would you say has been your most sort of rewarding moment? And what would you say has been your most sort of foot in your mouth moments if you're that you can share for the latter well for both actually because you know it's possible that the rewarding one is also something that's maybe super sensitive okay yeah great questions both of them and i i am a very open and transparent person right so um you can expect honest answers so when you talk about foot in my mouth oh i've had a 
plenty of those. <laughs> you know, the way I got into youth work, I didn't even realize that I was that passionate about it. And maybe that's something that a person out there who has thought about it can just keep that in the back of their mind. Sometimes there are those, they say there's leaders that are born and leaders that are created, right? And for some of us, we need to uh, be natured to get into that place. I didn't even know that I was that passionate, but somebody kind of pushed me into it. And one of my really good friends here in um Austin, Texas, her name is Elizabeth Avila. Her and her husband were doing youth work and they were great at it. I was just going there to support them. They were teaching Bible class and I would, I would show up late, okay? Out there, I was the one that was like, they were like, oh, you should, you just need to come and observe what's going on. Um, and then I would bring donuts. That was my thing. So I was the lady that brought donuts. And, but my friend Elizabeth was transitioning to grad school and she said, hey, I need help. I'm like, oh, teenagers, that sounds scary, you know. But she said, no, you're so good at them and this and that. So they, I saw how they helped transform me because I didn't realize that, I didn't see myself as this youth motivational thing, but I, or person, but the moment the the more I shared my experiences with them and we connected, I started to learn that oh there was there is something I can pour into them, and so that passion was ignited. I just wanted to put that out there. I wasn't born with. I don't think it was something that I I knew always that I was I wanted to do that. It was something that was ignited in me, uh, poured into them. And it instilled a lot of discipline in my life as well because I had to show up at a certain time. I had to lead by example and I couldn't just show up with donuts, but I had to keep my word. <laughs> I had to, If I told them to come on time, I had to be on time as well. So they've definitely poured into my life as well. And one of the most uh, rewarding, it's just not moment, but moments is when they're graduating high school and one of them did write me a card and said you know you've taught me a lot about leadership about life and I didn't even know that I was imparting those and so kids a lot everybody human beings learn by watching right so it encouraged me to be a better person and just think it's teenagers whenever we're having bible class or we're doing activities and i want them to participate they will roll your eyes at you okay they would do that that's a given like oh my gosh grace why do we need to do this again i don't want don't put me in the spotlight i don't want to give no speech i don't want to say anything i don't want to give a prayer and then later on to hear them say, thank you for making me do all of that. To me, that's like very rewarding. Uh, yeah, where I've shot myself for. in the foot. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah said, those are the moments yeah. you live for. Yes, those are the moments that make everything for. worth it. Realize, mm-hmm, that I'm actually doing something important because I didn't. I just... I was um, I was constantly busy. I was telling my friend, when are you coming back? She never came back, by the way. She just handed it over. That's how she left. <laughs> the good old oh. future <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're good to say about is foot it? and mouth. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yes. nice. um, pl- plenty of moments, too. Just um, knowing that, you know, when you're... Sometimes I would create these... Uh, 
in my head, it sounds great, right? Oh, we are going to do this program and we're going to, what did I want to make them do at some point? Oh man, we, oh yeah, we were doing a, a renovation project. We wanted to renovate our youth room. And so I wanted each of them to create like a little story about the experience with the renovations and all of that. I feel like I, I bit more than I could chew because I had all these expectations in your head. Like you have this vision of how it's supposed to come out and that's not what happened. And I learned that some of the kids were not really interested in that. So that's one of the moments where I had like this broad vision of how it was. So we did do the renovations, but it wasn't a lot of participation. There was just like a few of them that were interested. I think what I took away from that was that um, I should have been more attentive to where the others, not everybody could participate in everything. Some of the kids were only interested in going to Ikea and uh, picking out the furniture. They didn't want to touch paint. Or, and so I had to. And then I found myself with no workers. I was like, yeah, we're going to show up and we're going to paint the room. And two of them showed up. I'm like, guys, what happened? I don't even know how to paint myself. So it's just managing my expectations. I've, I've had to learn that over. It's a continuous learning process, you know, just being attentive and saying, not everything that's in my head can be executed the way I want it because you're dealing with different personalities and they're young. Oh, like, isn't it amazing how God just equips us differently? As you guys are talking about you, so I was just like, I've checked out this conversation because... I don't have the bandwidth, but to each their own. Now, because <laughs> I feel like I was, I was you actually thinking of a different class of their own. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you're not into youth, but I was thinking of how I started no, in youth them, as well. I, um, they don't say, what am I saying? I'm into them. That sounds very. Okay. Okay. No, yeah. I thought I wasn't <laughs> until somebody just pushed me into. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I, know, I, know I was I'm gonna not... say. No, I was gonna say mm-hmm. that the I'm way not, I got, I'm not into toddlers. You know, I'm not into youth, so I'm trying to look for my demographic. Um, the way I got into youth work was literally like close to yours, you know, which was, I wasn't interested. I didn't know that I was interested. I wouldn't say I wasn't interested, but I didn't know that I was interested. But there was a chance to work on a youth summer camp. And I was like, why not? There was no, there was no calling. There was no angels. There was no flourish of trumpets. There was no harps, nothing. It was just like, why not? Okay. And then I did it and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do it again. <laughs> and then I did it for 10 years. <laughs> wow. You know, it was See? literally, it was literally just like that. Oh my gosh. And, and you know, um, I'm just, oh, sorry to cut you off. Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. <laughs> I'll use it for you. You're my guest. So go ahead. <laughs> you're I was, I was, you. I was, I was only going to add, sorry, before you, you before you go on, I'm just going to add that it's also something I say to people that when people sometimes think, you know, they don't know what they're supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. Yes. I'm like, just do things. Yeah. You know, do things and notice how you feel when you do them. When you find something mm-hmm. that makes you come alive, nobody's going yeah. to need to tell you. Exactly. But I like, don't sit around waiting for some, like, I don't know what dramatic uh, voice in the, the skies to open. <laughs> like literally just, just do the things that pop up and see how you feel. And if you want to that go back and do it That is very true. I could not agree more with that. And that's exactly where I was going to drive at with that. Like um, 
the, the journey that I shared a lot of my life story is just realizing your purpose, right? And who you are. And then I, you know, I got to, it, it, there wasn't any point in my journey where I had like this open skies, like, oh, Grace, now thou art gold to this Texas. And then you're going to, even me becoming a speaker, I can trace back and see how the different opportunities, coincidences, you know, I was pushed into something. I got involved in student government and this and that. And a lot of that was like, okay, you're, you're here. I, I, I need to get a scholarship. Um, that That's a little book giveaway right there. You know, I, I, I needed to get a scholarship. So I get involved into something. But then you don't realize that there is so much in you that if you just open yourself up, um, I think I mean that you said if you make yourself available, right? Just do things, then you get to realize your purpose becomes more clear as you make yourself available on that path. Because destiny will find you in motion. If you're just sitting, you never Ooh, know. A word. <laughs> Ooh, someone it just reminded me of something someone said. I think it was Pastor Poju Mutalani. That you don't that you that most people stumble into success. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah, have to be moving to stumble. <laughs> <laughs> you don't stumble sitting down. Uh, wow. Thanks for that reminder. And sincerely, I'll still go back to my comment. I think you can always tell people that are kind of passionate about this. And don't get me wrong, I think you should give yourself an opportunity to explore different things. I know. I don't do well with youths. I don't do well with toddlers. That's like half of the human race already scrapped out. I'm still looking for my demographic. I haven't found them yet. But yeah, but you guys, the way you're talking is like you have like an extra layer of grace that, you know, <laughs> I would just admire you guys from afar. But I think well, it's more it than I was once a, also, I was once a young also, person. We're not I know busy how letting, I was. We're not, <laughs> actually, Grace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here and say, you know, Tolani's lying. I know what? why she's lying. <laughs> Ask her who she works with. She literally works with young people. Oh. Many of them teenagers. <laughs> really? That's her, literal, that's her literal day job. It's also... But not, not only is it her day job, not only is it her day job, I'm ready for you. Not only is it her what? day job, she also, she also on the side... Uh, what's that thing you do? The thing you do with international students? What's that thing? Oh, oh. what's the official <laughs> name for it? Crazy. Oh, what is it? Um, um... <laughs> See, this is the laughter of somebody that has been caught with their hand in the pot. Discover America. Discover America. I don't know what it's called. The thing you do where international okay, students yeah, yeah. come into the country you go pick them up. Yeah, and then yeah, you, you sort you, of you take them under them. your wing and you sort of mentor yeah. them and. You know, sort of house them and host you. them. These are young people. These are young people. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, like, you know battalions. Is their age? Does their age? Does their age have seen in it? Is the only question I have for you. <laughs> you people, that's not me. Okay. Does their, does their age have seen in it? That's that's what it is. You, but that's their job because the streets gotta eat and they pay my salary. So I, my hands are like literally tied. I have to work with them. But as far as the other one, yeah, that but one the other like, one, so do they pay your salary for that? <laughs> Isn't that volunteering? The hosting. Maybe it's just self-torture. It's something to just expose myself to. See, I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm working towards that success. You tell yourself that. that. To move along. Mm-hmm. 
But you guys have so much joy talking about it. Maybe maybe because I don't have that joy in about the prosecution rest is case. Jesus, I mean, say I came back with all those rusty receipts. Are you are you are you happy? Or dusty receipts? Are you happy with yourself? Yeah, Grace. Um, oh man! Hey, international was, students. That that yeah. is. Hey, I wish I had. Well, I had my sister here that's yeah. gonna help me through the loops. But it's yeah. it's a lot that international students need. Just assimilating into the culture. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's what sprouted my passion for being in student leadership when I was in college, was because oh, nice. I wanted to expose my fellow international students to the opportunities that have been given to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Same here. It's why I do what I do. Even because when I was at UT Austin, if not for the people who were already, you know, I call them Americans or internationally international minded people bringing me in, and you know, especially the holidays that we don't celebrate, like Thanksgiving when everybody's like traveling and you're just stuck, you know, at home or in your room and they invite you over, you get to know more about their culture. So it was very, it wasn't a no-brainer thing to do that when I moved to Oklahoma. I still want to get involved with students, especially international students, because that's like my heart and soul right there. If, if it's to even, you know, um, tell them about my experiences or just make them feel like they have a second home. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's something I'm super passionate about, you know. So maybe, maybe I'm in the youth ministry after all. I wasn't thinking of it that way. All right, well, Grace, this has been this has been great having you. And my goodness, you you you're you're a born speaker. Maybe I won't say born speaker, but you've cultivated that art of just giving you know very good responses and your poise, your passion with every topic we've asked you. Even though our questions to me, because I was texting her a minute back and forth, I felt like our questions weren't quite challenging enough. But you made them look so good, almost like we gave you lemons and you made golden cake out of it right so i want to say thank you thank you for being gracious and <laughs> i'll soon leave the studio don't worry i'll, I'll soon throw that that way down. but thank you thank you for your time and just um sharing some of your passion and before we go i'd like to just ask where people can find your book and even find you if they want to learn more about your work and your process okay great and hey, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. That was never so. I've never been on a podcast before, so this was really my... nobody has stepped into the grace. <laughs> this was right, my so first just ever. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have no self control. You have to mind this mic out of my hand. <laughs> I was, I was nervous. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, I hope oh. I don't go on a rabbit trail. Uh, talking about so many different aspects of my life, no, but you've been um, such a gracious host in both you and Ayomi Day. Thank you so much for the opportunity so, don't just to <laughs> <laughs> You said she's head. been a gracious host, head. and I could see her eyes beginning to like itch. <laughs> no, just crawl out of my head, I mean, just step away. <laughs> Oh my gosh! This was, you guys are so much fun. This this is this was definitely fun. Um, it's been really it's been really fun to have you, Grace. And and <laughs> thanks for because like I, you know I said it for one of your answers, but I feel like the questions we asked you are questions that you've clearly spent a lot of time thinking about. Not just now, but like I don't know for years probably, um, and it shows and 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 um. Yeah, that makes it such a joy to have. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. 
I'm not sure if you said, talked about your like your book and where you can find you know. Okay. Or even yes. your, your email or Instagram, whatever you want to drop. Right. Like, this is your time to kind of promote your book a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I have a website. So a lot of the information you can find it at uh, gracemolenga.com. And from there, it will route you to the different um, Instagram, Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram at Grace M. Molenga. Fun fact I married a man with the same last name. So I'm Grace Molenga Molenga now. That's why it's Grace M. Molenga. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, you guys have done a family tree. There's no relations anywhere. <laughs> We're not related. You know, who is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is your surname a common one in, in Zambia? Like a Smith. Like a Smith. Yes, is it like common. the equivalent? of smith or something like that uh-huh, it is so yeah. it was just a coincidence uh, but i feel lucky like you, you don't have to change anything not even your best certificate oh my god i don't have to change anything but wow. i told my friends i said you know what god just see he's he's a he's an architect of our lives right so he was like she's gonna write a oh. book and by the time she's uh, publishing this book she would have just gotten married so i don't want her to have to change the name on the book so <laughs> Congratulations. Hey. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like the wedding was even in, in, in Zambia, right? The wedding was in Zambia, yes. Uh-huh. Anyways, well, so um, we're going to link all of that in the show notes, your website and, you know, the link to your book on Amazon. Uh, Grace, it's been lovely having you once again. Everyone, um, please don't forget to share this episode or uh, um, put a comment on our Instagram page at the More Simple Podcast and explain more where this came from. So check out our website www.mosibyl.com for other episodes just like this or even different from this. Well, it's been fun having um, Grace on the show and thank you all for tuning in today. And this has been more and... I'm a day. What, what? I'm with Grace. <laughs> See you guys next time. All right, Grace. See y'all. Thank you.